Welcome to the Classic City Church Podcast. At C3, we exist to help people pattern their lives after Jesus. This message was first given as part of our teaching series at C3. Now I'm going to ask Esther Hunter up here if she would like to read the gospel this morning for us. Good morning. So I'll say this passage is going to be it's a challenge today but it's good. So we're reading from Mark 13, verse 1 through 31. So you can follow along behind on the screen, on your phone, if you have a physical Bible. And then John will preach on this passage after. Let's go. As Jesus was leaving the temple, one of his disciples said to him, look, teacher, what massive stones, what magnificent buildings. Do you see all these great buildings? Jesus replied, Not one stone here will be left on another. Every one will be thrown down. As Jesus was sitting on a Mount of Olives opposite the temple, Peter, James, John, and Andrew asked him privately, Tell us, when will these things happen? And what will be the sign that they are all about to be fulfilled? Jesus said to them, Watch out that no one deceives you. Many will come in my name claiming, I am he, and will deceive many. When you hear of wars and rumors of wars, do not be alarmed. Such things must happen, but the end is still to come. Nation will rise against nation and kingdom against kingdom. There will be earthquakes in various places and famines. These are the beginning of birth pains. You must be on your guard. You'll be handed over to the local councils and flogged in the synagogues. On account of me, you will stand before governors and kings as witnesses to them. And the gospel must first be preached to all nations. Whenever you are arrested and brought to trial, do not worry beforehand about what to say. Just say whatever is given you at the time, for it is not you speaking, but the Holy Spirit. Brother will betray brother to death, and a father his child. Children will rebel against their parents and have them put to death. Everyone will hate you because of me, but the one who stands firm to the end will be saved. When you see the abomination that causes desolation standing where it does not belong, let the reader understand. Then let those who are in Judea flee to the mountains. Let no one on the housetop go down or enter the house to take anything out. Let no one in the field go back to get their cloaks. How dreadful it will be in those days for pregnant women and nursing mothers. Pray that this will not take place in winter, because those will be the days of distress unequaled from the beginning when God created the world until now, and never to be equaled again. If the Lord had not cut short those days, no one would survive. But for the sake of the elect whom he has chosen, he has shortened them. At that time, if anyone says to you, look, here is the Messiah, or look, there he is, do not believe it. For false messiahs and false prophets will appear and perform signs and wonders to deceive, if possible, even the elect. So be on your guard. I have told you everything ahead of time. But in those days, following that distress, the sun will be darkened and the moon will not give its light. The stars will fall from the sky and the heavenly bodies will be shaken. At that time, people will see the Son of Man coming in clouds with great power and glory, and he will send his angels and gather his elect from the four winds and the ends of the earth to the ends of the heavens. Now learn this lesson from the fig tree. 
As soon as its twigs get tender and its leaves come out, you know that summer is near. Even so, when you see these things happening, you know that it is near, right at the door. Truly, I tell you, this generation will certainly not pass away until all these things have happened. Heaven and earth will pass away, but my words will never pass away. Great. Thank you, Esther. Well, that's a fun passage. About had as much fun studying for this as I did on that divorce passage. But, you know, like, there's some things like when you do a sermon series, right, and you pick a topic, but when you preach line by line, you go through the gospel, like, you just, I would never pick this passage. And I think, you know, just as a disclaimer before I begin, there are um, different views on how you could read this text. Um, I'm not going to get into all the different ways. Um, but I think one of the important things, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to teach from the stance of, um, my denomination, the Lutheran uh, denomination. But, um, you know, I just want to encourage us that, you know, whatever you, you know, maybe you've, I know this church is made up of like different groups that have come together. You know, I think the most important thing is that God will do what God will do and he is in control. And, you know, we all have to learn to love and be together because you're all going to be stuck with me in heaven anyways. Right? So we come in grace in humility. And you know what? If I'm wrong in the future, well, guess what? The next 25 minutes will just be hot air then. No, I'm just joking. All right. Today's sermon is called, and I'll give you a reason why I think the way that I do, is because this is a, as a close reading of the text. I think if you read it in context from when we've come from Mark chapter 11 until now, this has all been about the temple. And I think this is about the temple here today. So today's sermon title is called Jesus and the Temple of Doom. Okay, I didn't make that up. There was some, there was some commentary that I read. Ben Witherington III, he's the one that made it up. I didn't make that up. It's too clever. So in this passage, I believe that Jesus is talking about the, um, the destruction of the temple, which comes in 70 AD. And then the, um, so it's the, in Jesus's, the, a prediction about it, and then his judgment also of the temple, but also about how Jesus is going to be put on trial. Uh, he's going to be uh, basically uh, looked at as um, as uh, kind of a false uh, false teacher, uh, blasphemer, um, but that he will be vindicated, and that it will come to see that he is the true Messiah or the Son of God. Okay, we're going to have to move, and we're going to have to move fast, so buckle up. Here we go. Hope you've had your coffee. All right, verse 1. It says, As Jesus was leaving the temple, one of his disciples said to him, Look, teacher, what massive stones, what magnificent buildings. Do you see all these great buildings? Or sorry, do you see all these great buildings? Replied Jesus, Not one stone here will be left on another. Every one will be thrown down. So even though Jesus is talking about his dissatisfaction with the temple over the last several, like, um, since kind of chapter 11, talking about the fig trees not producing fruit, right? Jesus is not happy with the actions that are going on from the temple. This is called the second temple or Herod's temple. It was not the original temple. The original temple was Solomon's temple. And Solomon's temple was filled with the presence of God. There was like this big, thick smoke that came in, right? It's like the presence of the Holy Spirit, right? There's this tangible presence. But in this one, it didn't fill the, the temple wasn't filled exactly in the same way. And in fact, Herod was pretty selfish and did a lot of things not for 
uh, God, but did a lot to make his own name great. And actually, this temple, Herod's temple, wouldn't be complete until 60 AD and then gets absolutely destroyed in 70 AD. What a lot of great that ever did, right? So anyways, but the building itself was magnificent at that time. And all left is like what's called the Wailing Wall or the Western Wall in Jerusalem today. The rest is just absolute rubble. So the disciples are looking up at this building. They're like, wow, this building's incredible. And it was. It was like one of the seven uh, man-made wonders of the world. This building stood unlike anything else. People came to look at this building, and it it was huge. It was humongous, and it was beautiful. Uh, It was immaculate. And so yet Jesus is saying, like, look, this building is going to be it's it's fruitless it's not doing what it'll do. it's not doing what it was ever meant to do and there's going to be a point where it's all going to come tumbling down so jesus talks to his disciples he talks to peter james john and andrew um, and because they ask him jesus when are these things going to happen Picking up at verse, the end of verse 5 and into uh, verse 6, it says, Watch out that no one deceives you. Many will come in my name claiming I am he and will be deceived or and and will be deceived many or many will be deceived. Basically, there's going to be a bunch of false prophet or a bunch of false messiahs that claim to be the messiah that at Jesus's time, there were lots of people that said they were going, they, they were the messiah, but weren't actually the messiah. In Acts chapter 5, there is a guy that's mentioned in the, in the Bible. His name is Theotis, okay? I think, hopefully I pronounced that correctly. But he is one of these false messiahs. And there were lots of people saying that I'm the one true messiah. I'm the one true messiah. Believe in me. And actually, that it's through Scripture and through Jesus' death, resurrection, and ascension that we know that Jesus is the one true messiah. He is more than the Messiah. He's also the Son of God. But there were lots of people claiming that they were the Messiah at the time. There's going to be these people who try to deceive you. Um, Going on to verse 7, it says, When you hear of wars and rumors of wars, do not be uh, do not be alarmed. Such things must happen. But in the end, that but the end is still to come. Nation will rise against nation, and kingdom against kingdom. There will be earthquakes in various places and famines. These are the beginnings of birth pains. So in the ancient world, there was no Twitter. Thank God. There was no social media. I feel like where I'd be all right without social media. Right? There was no twenty-four-seven hour news. Oh, that would be a relief if there wasn't any of that either. But there would be uh, rumors of wars, or wars could be happening for months, if even years, in far-off places, and you wouldn't even know about it for a very long time. Or there could be false rumors um, going on, and um, and there could be like a lot of talk going on, and, and that wasn't actually true, right? And I mean, there was, I guess, fake news at that time as well, I guess. So, but in a post-Eden world, right, We don't live in a world that God has created, that there are earthquakes and there are famines. The world isn't the way that God, the creator, designed it to be. There's sickness, there's death. God did not design it to be that way. We live in a post-Eden world where there is earthquakes, there's bad things, there's terrible things that happen. And these are the beginning of what Jesus says, birth pains. 
Uh, this doesn't say anything necessarily about the end or the destruction of the world, but it's like birth pains. That labor itself is like really, really, really this terrible thing, or not terrible thing, but it's an amazing thing, but it's really violent, and I've been there twice, and it's really, um, it's really scary, and I'm glad that me as a male, I don't ever have to give birth. Like, it looks terrifying, right? And there's like, one, two, three, push, right? And it's like, there's blood everywhere, and... You know, it's, I'm not going to get into too much graphics, right? But like, if you know, you know, right? That it's really, really horrible. But then you hold this cute, cuddly baby and you're like, oh, and it's all worth it. Just look at this baby thing. I think Jesus is talking about how there's going to be this time where it's going to be really, really horrific. But at the end of it, there's going to be new life. This is the image that God, that Jesus is giving his disciples, Verse 9 says, You must be on your guard. You will be handed over to the local councils and flogged in the synagogues. On account of me, you will stand before governors and kings as witnesses to them. Jesus is saying what's going to happen is that the 12 apostles in the early church, and you can read about this all in the book of Acts, right? That they will be handed over to uh, the Romans, also the local synagogues. They, they didn't just do uh, worship. Yes, they were like a local church, but it also was a place of law. And, um, and, and basically the, the early Christians that they would be handed over and they would just, they were just absolutely whipped. They were whipped 39 times, 13 times in the chest, 26 times on their back. And they were, it was done within an inch of their life. And over the next three, uh, three, 300 years, millions, millions of Christians are killed. Millions of Christians are killed. If you read the New Testament, there is nothing that says that being a Christian is easy going. But in a time of, uh, of ancient time, in a world where um, people, Christians would declare Jesus is Lord, by saying Caesar is not Lord is treason and you could get the death penalty. But even though that Caesar is not Lord today, the Roman Empire is no more, last year 5,000 Christians were killed because of their faith. Another 365 million received persecution worldwide. Think about that. We live in very cozy United States. Like, we are not persecuted. We are living in this, like, little, like, little nice sliver of time where we can come and we can worship here. We don't have to worry about secret police coming in here. When I lived in Malaysia, secret police would sit in the, in the, in the services to see like what we were up to and making sure that we weren't evangelizing like the Muslims at that time and, and things like that. We had to be very, very, very careful even in Malaysia. And there are places even far worse than that that if you go central to the Middle East or uh, in, uh, if you worship in a non-state church in China, China, right? That people are persecuted for their faith. This still happens today, right? You have to be very careful as a follower of Jesus, but we can't hold back the gospel. In verse 10, it says, and the gospel must be preached to all nations. That's what Jesus says in Acts 1.8, go into the nations, Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and the ends of the earth, right? And the gospel is to be preached to everyone, that everybody should have an opportunity to call on the name of the Lord, for all who call on the name of the Lord will be saved. Going on to verse 11, Wherever, whenever you are arrested and brought to trial, do not worry beforehand about what, what to say. Just say what is given 
to you at the time. For it's not you speaking, but the Holy Spirit. That the good news of Jesus Christ actually spreads, spreads better underneath persecution. It grows rampantly. like It just spreads like wildfire. There are more Christians or people coming to Christ in China probably than anywhere on earth right now. And also in other very persecuted areas, people are turning to the Lord. Not so much in cozy America, but we hope to play our part in that as well. And hopefully there will be people a time when we'll have a bit of revival or people will come back to know Jesus as their Lord and Savior. The early church, like so many Christians today, when they're persecuted, they have to rely on the Holy Spirit to fill their mouths. That sometimes maybe you, um, and, and even when you're not persecuted, maybe you've ever tried to even just pray for somebody else, right? And you're like, I don't know what I'm going to pray. And you just, you open your mouth and you just let the Holy Spirit fill your mouth. That we have to be on full dependence on God or whether it's us uh, praying for somebody else or, or maybe sharing your faith. You think, I don't want to do it. They're going to they're gonna think I'm a weird Christian or whatever. But the Holy Spirit will give you the right words to say at the right time time. We can also read about this in the book of Acts, that, that when they're dragged before the magistrates, like the Holy Spirit gives them the right words to speak at the right time. And I think often we think uh, that, uh, that, that life will be easier when we're a Christian, but actually it's a lot harder. <laughs> and we'll, we'll pick up this in verse 12. It says, brother will betray brother to death and father his child. Children will rebel against their parents and have them put to death. Everyone will hate you because of me, but the one who stands firm to the end will be saved. Again, this is not the end of the universe, it seems, but that the dark, this end of this dark age and scary time, there will be a time of scary uh, and dark times of unrest. And Jesus is saying, during this really, really difficult time, you need to stand firm. Don't give up. In, in, uh, in, during, in the Great Commission, at the end of Matthew's Gospel, it says, I am with you to the very end of the age. That Jesus always plans, offers us to be with us by the power of the Holy Spirit. He will not leave us. He will not forsake us for any reason. But we have to know that Jesus is more than just a life hack. Jesus is more than just counseling. Jesus is more than just, um, is, is just simply, is simply more than just something to, to meditate on. That Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. But it's not to necessarily make our lives easier. In fact, in many ways, Jesus makes our life significantly harder. Verse 14, when you see the abomination that causes desolation, I mean, that could just be its own movie title, right? The abomination that causes desolation. Standing where it does not belong, let the reader understand. Then let those who are in Judea flee to the mountains. The abomination that causes designation is a quote that's taken from the prophet Daniel. Original Daniel was prophesying about something that would come in second century BC, when the pagans came to the temple, they defiled the temple, and then they sacrificed a pig on the altar. There is nothing worse that you could do to Jews than sacrifice a pig on the altar. That is about as insulting and, and, and unclean as you could get. But actually what happened, uh, and this is why I think you know, that we're talking about this time, is the abomination that causes de desolation. When actually the destruction of the temple ha happened, the Roman general Titus, he invaded Jerusalem, came into the temple, and then he made several sacrifices to pagan gods 
at the altar before it was destroyed. And Jesus is saying is when General Titus comes with his army, right, you better get ready and you'll know it. But when he comes, what I want you to do is I want you to make a run for it. In verse 14, he says, uh, or sorry, we just read that. He says, flee, right? Flee Judea, run to the mountains. This is not your fight. Turn and make a run for it. In verse 16, we pick up. It says, let, let no one in the field go back to get their cloak. Meaning lots of people, uh, Jews at the time, they wore an outer cloak. If they were working the field, they would put their cloak on the side as they worked, right? Don't worry about your cloak. Get a new one. Head to the mountains, right? Get out of there before the Roman uh, army comes and destroys the temple. Verse 17 How dreadful will it be in those days for a pregnant woman and nursing mothers? It's really hard for nursing mothers and mothers who are pregnant to run. Isn't that right, Esther? Right? If you're running for your life, you don't want to be pregnant or have a little baby at this time. It'll be dreadful. Pray that it will not take place in winter. In winter, the Jordan River floods. It's really going to be really hard to escape at that time. Verse 19, because those days days of distress unequaled, from the beginning, when God created the world until now, and never be, will be equaled again. General Titus, in the Jewish revolt of AD 70, he just absolutely massacred the entire country. The, the Jewish people, they revolted against the empire, and General Titus, he came and he just absolutely decimated them. There was brutality, there was looting, there was rape. It got so bad that there are stories that... Uh, of of people having to uh, eat their own infant in order to stay alive. This is a gross and gruesome time in history. He says, and then after after he destroyed the temple, he basically, this, this General Titus, he crucified thousands of men and women. Jesus again is saying, this is not your fight. When this happens, make a run for it. Verse 20. If the Lord had not cut short those days, no one would survive. But for the sake of the elect from from whom he has chosen, he has shortened them. The elect is a Jewish way of saying those who are righteous. Verse 21. At that time, if anyone says to you, look, here is the Messiah, or look, there he is, don't believe it. For false messiahs and false prophets will appear and perform signs and wonders to to deceive, if possible, even the elect. So be on your guard. I have told you everything ahead of time. Again, here we see that there's going to be false messiahs. There's going to be false prophets. People in a time of war and in great need are will say anything. He's saying, stand your guard. Don't be persuaded. You need to make sure that you discern the times. Verse 24, but in those days following that distress, the sun will be darkened and the moon will not give its light. The stars will fall from the sky and the heavenly bodies will be shaken. Jesus quotes here from Isaiah 13. And in this uh, part of the passage, it is written in what's called apocalyptic literature. Jesus is saying, therefore, that when the temple is destroyed, It is going to be earth-shattering, that your world will be turned upside down. And since AD 70, the priesthood, the sacrificial systems, the temple itself, gone. If you're a modern-day Jew and you're practicing, and if you're really trying to follow the Torah to the T, that makes it really hard to follow the Torah. 
right? They've had to make substitutions or allowances for you to actually practice your Jewish faith. It makes it almost nearly impossible to practice the Jewish faith at this time. Your world is going to be turned upside down as you know it. Verse 26, at that time you will see the Son of Man coming in the clouds with great power and glory. That Jesus often referred to himself as the Son of Man, which also comes from Daniel chapter 7. And this, cha- this is maybe not so much about Jesus coming back to earth, but actually Jesus coming to God after suffering. And T. Wright puts it this way. It says, he says, it's not about, or it's about triumph and vindication and about simultaneously judgment falling on the system that has opposed God's call and God's gospel, and about Israel's representative sitting down, as David's Lord does in Psalm 110, at God's right hand. If you remember last week's passage, we, it, we, Jesus said, uh, my Lord said to my Lord, that is Psalm 110. And so all of this is about who Jesus says that he is, but yet he will be flogged, he will be crucified, and it's going to look like he was in the wrong. But actually, Jesus is going to be vindicated. Vindicated, his resurrection, his ascension, everything points to do. Actually, Jesus is. There's going to be a time where you think it's not going to be, but actually the Son of Man will be vindicated, that he is who he says he was, that Jesus is the Messiah, but not only the Messiah, but he is the Son of God. Verse 27, and he will send his angels to gather his elect, again, the truly righteous, from the four winds and from the ends of the earth to, to the ends of the heavens. This is again, this is a Jewish way of saying from all over the earth, it's time that the gospel uh, be spread across the earth. And we see again that in Acts 1.8, right? The gospel is meant to be preached across all the lands to all people groups. Verse 28. Now learn this from the fig tree. As soon as its twigs get tender and its leaves come out, you know that summer is near. Even so, when you see these things happening, you will know the end or that you will know that it is near, right at the door. It's springtime. Jesus is on the Mount of Olives. Guess what is all around him? Fig trees. So what does Jesus use as a picture? Fig trees. He's saying, look for the signs. When you start to see wars and you start to hear of rumors of wars, the abomination of desolation, the invasion, it's going to be close. So make sure that you're ready. Jesus is expecting his disciples to see everything that we have just read. Verse 30, truly I tell you, this generation will certainly not pass away until all these things have happened. What's really interesting is Jesus said he's expecting this generation to see it. The destruction of the temple actually happens 40 years to the dot when Jesus predicted, or one, about one generation. Verse 31, verse 31, heaven and earth will pass away, but my words will never pass away. Uh, heaven and earth, if you wanted to go to heaven on earth, that overlap, that place, like it was in the Garden of Eden, it was in the temple. That was supposed to be the place where heaven met earth. But that place will no longer exist, right? The heaven and earth was a Jewish idiom for the temple, and it's going to be destroyed. But Jesus' words will never pass away. 
But the amazing thing is the temple is no longer in a building. You see this building right here, the one that we're in right now? Well, one, we've got to move out of here in July. We've got to find a new home. And that's okay, because guess what? The Holy Spirit does not live in these four walls, right? The Holy Spirit lives in each and, pers- each and every person here. That God's made his home not in a building, but in a person. That's, this building does not matter. What matters to God is you, You matter to God. God has made his home in you. This building one day will be a pile of rubble. I'm pretty sure they're going to bulldoze the whole building. We'll see what happens in the future. But it doesn't matter where our home will be. It matters where we meet together and then where we worship together because as we come, right, the Holy Spirit's presence just fills our our place, right? It's because it's in our lives. It's not in a temple, in a building, but it's in each and every believer, I will never forget uh, two days of my life. I forget a lot of things in my life, right? I forget where I put my keys. I forget where to put my wallet. I forget a lot of things. Two days I will never forget are the days my two boys were born, um, Joshua and Lucas. On my second one, um, Esther, we used the midwives. And the midwives, they're, they're like really relaxed. and They're awesome. Uh, and because Esther's English, she's used to like the midwife system. So the midwives were like, hey, do you want to catch the baby? Like, this is about, like, this is, like, ready time to, like, have the baby. And I was like, yeah, I want to, I want to catch that baby. I'm going to catch that baby right now. So I, I got back to my football days, and I, I, like, felt like Peyton Manning right there. I was like, Omaha, Omaha, one, two, three, hut, hut. No, I didn't do that. I didn't do that. She would have killed me. She would have killed me. But they said, be, be careful, because that baby's going to be slippery when it comes out. And I nearly dropped Lucas. I nearly dropped him. And you're right. He was slippery as it could be. But he was so slimy, and he, he was kind of gross when he first came out. Until they wrapped him, and they washed him off and, like, wrapped him in some blankets. I was like, oh, that's better. That's a cute little baby. But there for a moment, I was like, here you go. Here, before I drop him again, right? And, and labor is just, I've been told, I don't know from firsthand experience, but it is painful. It is messy. It, it's horrendous. But what comes on the other end is new life. Jesus says these are birthing, the beginning of birthing pains. It is a horrific time and a devastating time for the people of God to lose the temple. But Jesus is saying, on the other end, there is new life. Maybe in your life, maybe you're going through just a terrible suffering. Maybe you feel persecuted. Maybe you're mocked because of your faith. Maybe you look, you're just looked down on. Maybe you're going through a time of just real health problems of sickness and you just can't kick it. Maybe you just have overwhelming mental health challenges right now. What we're promised is that these are just labor pains. And maybe you get healed now. We believe that God heals now. Or maybe you get healed in heaven. Either way, these, whatever you're going through today, is just labor pains for what is to come. Because what Jesus gives birth to is new life, full of joy, full of freedom and forgiveness, and, and most importantly, the, well, the hope of eternal life that's only found 
in Jesus. Whatever you're going through today, whatever battle you're going through, Jesus will not leave you. He will not forsake you. And remember, it is only temporary. There is hope. There is great hope. The greatest hope that we can ever know found in Jesus. And one day, Jesus will make all things new. I'm going to invite you back up. I'm going to pray for us. And my spiel is over. That's the second time I did that today. I'm exhausted. I'm going to go home, no, and have a nap. Actually, I'm going to get on a flight with my dad, and we're going to, I'll probably sleep on the plane. If you guys would like to stand with me, I'm going to pray for us. And we'll worship in our last song. Oh, Jesus, Lord, we just um, come before you. And Lord, I pray um, that you would give a real boldness by the Holy Spirit in each and every one of our lives. Lord, you never promised that things would be easy, but you did promise us new life. Lord, we thank you so much for Jesus. We thank you for the cross. We thank you for your resurrection. And Lord, I pray that your Holy Spirit would just minister to our lives. Lord, I pray that, you know, if it be your will, Jesus, Lord, I pray that you bring a healing now on this earth to people who um, just have health issues or mental health issues. Lord, we pray that there would be no suffering. Lord, we pray your kingdom come, your will would be done on earth as it is in heaven. We pray you would bind all sickness in Jesus' name and that you would loose the power of heaven upon us. And Lord, if we don't get healed, Lord, we look forward to and we cling to Jesus. We just hold on to Jesus. And Lord, we know that this are temporary birthing pains that will give birth to new life. Lord, that this is not our, that, that now is not permanent. Lord, that one day you will make all things new. And Lord, we will be in heaven with you rejoicing. And you will completely heal us, body, mind, and spirit. And nothing will separate us from the love of Christ. We pray all these things in Jesus' name. Amen. We hope that this message helps you to grow in a relationship with Jesus. Connect with us at classiccitychurch.org.